Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So you have heard something new and exciting and different about a topic that some of our listeners will know, and some of them won't even be able to spell, and that is Kaizen. <laughs> yeah, the Kaizen. Uh, it's a Japanese term meaning change for good. And it came up because we had a um, one of our monthly discussion sessions today. This is something where we uh, have some study group topic. People do some advanced reading, or in this case, watch a video, and then we discuss what it meant. And if we agree with it, how would we apply it? And and it was really funny because we had a group of people who all had some passing knowledge of, of Kaizen. And uh, they and everyone came in and said, well, yeah, we, we know what Kaizen is. It's, you know, it's continuous improvement. And, and we think it's great. But the funny thing happened was when we got into discussing it, different people had different ideas of it. And I had kind of an aha moment that about how some of these things fit there's some of the sort of disagreements I had with people and it came down to whether uh, this idea of kind of incrementalism and and, and I think Kaizen has the, the spirit of continuous improvement making even small improvements uh, continuously add up to a big differences over time and so this idea of incremental change and and continuously happening and in that sense Kaizen is like a habit uh, that you are always applying always looking for for places to improve but what what struck me is that some people their examples for kaizen that they came up with um were more i would say more about execution incremental execution mm. rather than incremental improvement and one example that an analogy someone used was uh, well, like if yeah if you have a bunch of dishes to wash and you don't have time to do all of them well at least do at least wash one dish because then at least things are better this this analogy just drives me bananas. You were telling me yeah. about this before. I, I think that so, so, somebody's really missing something here. Yeah, exactly. And and and, it, and so this idea, what is kaizen, uh, um, seemed relevant because when even people who are fans of it and like the idea struggle a bit about how to improve it. And it occurred to me that actually a lot of our listeners are probably experienced places where um, kaizen goes wrong because I think very often if you look at kind of the way a normal team would work, especially an agile team, you have many rituals that are there to help support continuous improvement, but that people don't know that they're there for and they don't use them. So examples that come to mind are, are stand-ups and retros. And in particular, there's very sometimes there's only focus on execution there and not on learning. So you know, someone might say, oh yeah, this that thing I was going to do yesterday, I didn't finish it, uh, but I'll, I'll finish it today. And then what you I would hope for would be, well, hey, guess what? There's an opportunity for learning there. We had an expectation and things didn't go as we planned. What do we learn from it? And that could be that could be great. And then what are we going to how are we going to act differently as a result of what we learned? Exactly. But, but there's no appetite for that. And so often the question that comes up is just like, well, when will it be done? <laughs> you know, if you if you didn't get it done then, when will it be finished? Or as you put it, it even worse, there's no questions at all. People just go, hmm, okay. We'll move that down. So uh, on we go. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll just, we'll just we'll, yep. I guess the card stays in the same place on the board. Move on to the next. And and so there's this opportunity for reflection and improvement, but it, it doesn't happen. And that's, I think often why retros are so uh, lifeless. Someone I was talking to today before the meeting, they said, yeah, a lot of times in retrospectives, people will say we're making this change because we think it'll make an improvement, but then they never then there's no accountability. They don't come back later in the next retro and say, hey, that thing we did, how did it work out? Did we did we get the benefit? That's why I always say the most important part of any retrospective is the, the reflection on the actions from the last retrospective. 
which you should always do yeah, first. That's right. Because that's where you get the chance to reflect the learning. Exactly. And so that's and that's what we're saying here is that we don't know that we've actually achieved the improvement unless we check to see we actually improved it. So it's and it, so often though I think that people they think they're doing improvements because they're making changes that they predict will be an improvement. But they're they're not actually checking that, that they actually did improve. And and this is the difference between the in Kaizen often it described as having the PDCA cycle, uh plan do check act. But instead people are just plan do, plan do. I, I this is an improvement. I plan this improvement, let's do it. Plan the improvement, do it, plan and do, plan do. But they're not actually following through and, and checking acting and they got the result. And 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 this this pattern of plan, plan do instead of plan do check act, I see following showing up all over the place. Absolutely. Well, I had someone telling me uh, yesterday, I had two examples of this recently, actually. So I had someone telling me recently, um, uh, our our team don't believe in lots of meetings. So we've canceled all our standups. And I said, hang on a second. So there's (laughs) there's something that doesn't add up there. And uh, I can tell you that um, uh, when I have standups in teams, that results in fewer meetings that it, it concentrates more of the learning and the activity into the stand-up. And he said, oh, that's not our experience. We aren't going to do it. So I said, well, let me know how that works out for you. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, if it's successful, great, but I, I predict that you're going to have some trouble because um, the, the stand-up should be exactly where you capture learning and you discover something that is different. It should be a locus for check and act. And uh, I think uh, the, the difficulty is that um, if you're only checking on what you planned and what you did, um, there's no learning, and it can feel like just another meeting. Yeah, and those should be different. That, that's right. That's that's right. So so this this is why I was interested in talking about this is because I think this um, misunderstanding of uh, of what it means to actually be uh, learning uh, and in improving. I think is is very common. The, the The good part I would say here is that people have picked up the value of incrementalism, which is to say let's let's do a small thing, um, let's do a small thing uh, first, and then we'll see where the result is. That gives many opportunities for learning. But again, I'm I'm always struck that people aren't taking those opportunities for learning. Yep. And back to that dishes analogy, the um, the the problem that I have with it is that it mischaracterizes the nature of the activity. So um, you didn't sit down and plan, I hope, uh, when you were planning out your strategic activities for the week or the month, um, that at 4.57 on Thursday you would um, do one dish or all the dishes or <laughs> something. You might have said, we're going to increase cleanliness in the office. That would be an interesting strategy. And that would be something that, yes, you could act by washing one dish, but you could also reflect on how the heck did these dishes get here anyway? What's, the cult- what's wrong in our culture that's causing people to leave dirty dishes around? That would be the yep. checking and acting part of it. But it's the, the difficulty in the analogy, and I think in often uh, how people think about these things, and I have an example in a second, is that they, they think about the activity wrong. They think about the activity as the, the, the thing that they're going to plan and do is um, a, a, a mechanical act. It's a, um, a routine activity. It's a thing that you know how to do and you won't learn anything from, like washing a dish. Maybe you'll improve your dish strategy slightly, and you know you'll you'll use slightly better um, dish detergent or something. I, I doubt it. I think you would be much more likely to learn things like um, Bob never does his dishes because he's annoyed with um, uh, that his he's not paid enough, and and so he um, uh, acts out. That 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 would be really valuable. That would be incredible learning that would help you in many areas. But um, 
uh, slightly better um, wrist technique in, in uh, um, drying dishes? Probably not. And that's what I see a lot of people doing. Um, uh, the, exam the second example I have is of uh, one where um, someone was explaining to me just today how, how he's helping people in his organization to think more in terms of hypotheses and experiments. And he used a, a nifty thing called uh, that I'd not seen before uh, called the Opportunity Solution Tree. I hope I've got its name right. We'll put the link in the show notes. And um, what he had was people who, who had done a lot of research, who really understood the customer, uh, who, who had tremendous opportunities that they'd identified. And that comes at a certain level, if you look at the, the visual, that certain level of the tree is a set of opportunities. And then below that, branching off it, are different solutions and experiments that prove which solutions are right. But the solution and the opportunity are different. And, and he said that he was able to use this visual to, to help others understand how um, they were framing the problem in a way that wasn't helpful. They, they were framing um, uh, the, the challenge to tech. Uh, how can you plan and do the thing that we've already researched and the information we have? And when right. te technologies folks would come back and say, well, we're going to do this series of experiments. Say, oh, my God, they're revisiting everything. We just did this research. We know what to do. Would you please just do it? And what he wanted to communicate was that the solutions and the experiments they were trialing were in order to realize the opportunity. The opportunity might be um, support certain kinds of single sign-on, for example, uh, so that certain customers can, can work with them. Well, the opportunity was, look, we want to log in once. We don't want to remember a bunch of passwords, and we'll use your system more if, you, if we do that. That opportunity isn't going to change. And, but you can't just plan and do that activity. I mean, you could, and that, that would be catastrophic. What you want to do is um, uh, uh, do the experiments, which will involve checking and acting, uh, about different types of single sign-on, which customers want them, which ones are easy to implement, which ones work well with our system, which ones are deprecated and going to be out of uh, support in two months. Um, what, what are the different um, characteristics of the landscape that will then allow us to have the opportunity, which is users won't have to use passwords anymore. And it's not throwing away the research, which uh, discovered that users hate passwords. We, are, we, we know that. We're not going to forget <laughs> that. We're not going to drop that and suddenly build a video game instead. But the, the point is that um, the iterative process and the building the hypotheses allows you to implement the opportunity. And, and he just found that really useful for explaining, and I thought it was an insightful uh, way of approaching exactly this problem. Yeah, I, and I think it's 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 funny that this this same um, opportunity solution tree, which I'd never heard of before, came up actually in our uh, post uh, um, meeting discussion of, of Kaizen. Someone had, had brought up uh, continuous uh, uh, discovery, um, and then someone else pointed out the opportunity solution tree. So something I'd never heard of before. Uh, you you then brought up to me, <laughs> and and so on the on the very same day. So it turns out pretty well. And I, but the key idea that I got from here from what you're saying is this: it, I, I agree completely. Is that uh, there's this sort of um, allergy to experiments? The the feeling that if we're doing experiments, it means like we don't know anything, as opposed to experiments uh, extending or building on what you've already known. Yeah, go 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 tell that to a scientist and then stand back. Because <laughs> they'll tell you, what do you mean? We have notebooks full of hypotheses and ideas, which all of which build on the 17 notebooks we have that we did last week. Yeah. And I'll just say, it's funny because we were in the, the uh, I think it's worth adding, in our discussion of Kaizen uh, today, we, my, my critique of the video was, yeah, this, this video was great. And it was very inspiring about what Kaizen is. But, but like a lot of advice out there, it doesn't tell you how to do it. <laughs> so 
for people who who think that all oh, this continuous integration stuff sounds good, I'd like to do it. I actually, what the resource I'd recommend is a book called The Toyota Kata, uh, which I know we've mentioned before. And uh, the, the part that I think is very relevant to our discussion today actually comes in. The, the Toyota Kata book has two different uh, uh, kata that you go through there. One is the improvement kata, which is how you're actually doing the improvement, and the coaching kata, how you're helping someone improve. And if you go look into that, you'll find this part in the coaching kata where you're asking the learner these questions. You know, what did you plan as your last step? What did you expect to happen? What actually happened? And what did you learn? And and that idea of you you need to have this, this examining, reflecting on the, the gap between what you expected and what actually happened as your source of learning is is right there is built into this. So when you come around to like, how do we actually start doing this? There's a very good uh, resource for uh, beginning. And uh, and in there, you'll find you know exactly when and how to be asking these key questions to make sure that your cycle is actually a cycle of plan, do, check, act that has this built-in reflection as opposed to falling into the trap of plan, do, plan, do, plan, do without ever actually getting the improvement. The, the key thing is the, the act is act on the system. The act is, is after you've learned, to change something about what you're doing. As, as uh, our, 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 one of our favorite uh, authors, Ardris, would say, it's double-loop learning. You're, you're learning about the system rather than um, learning what the system currently does and then adjusting that. Yep. So uh, if, if listeners are, are interested in pursuing that or if listeners to- totally disagree with us and think plan do is the best way, uh, uh, then we'd sure like to hear from them. And uh, you can get lots more material uh, and, and learn more about all these types of topics uh, on agileconversations.com. You'll find our Twitter, your email, uh, free videos, lots of stuff. Uh, do look in the show notes because there'll be uh, the links to these uh, uh, books and ideas and, and topics we've been uh, raising. And, and we'd like to hear from you after you try them or before you try them or when you disagree with them. So uh, do, do get in touch with us. Uh, and, uh, of course, the other way is just to come back next Wednesday when we'll be back again with another edition of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Will.